You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. tell you a little thing that drives me crazy about people watching movies in Oscar season, even critics. What's the one thing you always hear as a criticism about any sort of Oscar film that makes you, you know, feel something like crying? They're like, oh, it's manipulative. I hate Oscar. Oscar bait films. They're so manipulative. It's so pandering. Not enough side boob. I hate that phrase. Emotionally manipulative. I can't stand it. I never hear people say about horror films, oh, it totally keeps trying to scare you. It's so manipulative. Or comedies, do you see the way they keep trying to make you laugh? It's so manipulative. That is the absolute dumbest thing that you could possibly say. I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I thought it was just me hating on that phrase and that term, but thank you. It I means nothing. Exactly. It means nothing. I don't know about all of you. My goal is to go into a movie and feel absolutely nothing the entire time. <laughs> That's my goal. So Yes. I want to be as dead inside as I was in high school. I need the collagen in my face not to move. As an alternative, I like to say, don't throw emotions at me. But you do want emotions thrown at you at a movie that that is entirely the point. Real like, ones. for instance, Uncle Frank. Now, I'm not going to say that, like, there are films that do this and they do it in a ham-handed way that doesn't really work because you can see the strings being pulled and it doesn't really all come together. That's not manipulative. That's someone doing the art wrong or badly. <laughs> Fortunately, I find Uncle Frank, for me, fell firmly on the side of one that does that quite well. And it's not really surprising that this is from Alan Ball, who made the absolute tearjerker of a show, Masterwork, Six Feet Under. Still, I think, one of the finest TV shows ever made, and certainly the finest finale of any TV show ever I made. I never caught that finale. I stopped at season three, I think. What? It was How? too many feels for me in a good How way. dare you? Like, if there were feels. <laughs> there was a lot of feels. No, 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 Frank. When we're done here, yeah. you're fucking finishing that. Or I'm going to make sure you do. I will make you. It's, well, it's award season, so I've got other stuff in my queue. That's first. fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. I guess. Priorities. In the spring. In the spring. This is one of the first ones that I've seen in terms of the films that are definitely being lined up for awards this year that I think this totally deserves some nominations. But I'm not the only person here in this room or in this virtual room, as it were. I've got with me Frank. Hi, I'm not the uncle in this film, but we do have a lot of things in common, this Uncle Frank do? and I, so, yeah. It's true. Can you be my uncle? I would love that. Be your uncle? Sure, we'll go. I'll take you to the movies and watch Death Becomes Her when Alamo does it again. And that is Frank's niece, Jennifer. <laughs> hey, everybody. And joining me as well is Jordan. Yes, here to talk about your gay Uncle Frank is your gay Aunt Jordan. 
Take your meds and drink your water. Uncle Frank is, as I said, by Alan Ball, who actually has had more success in my mind with television shows than he has with movies, with the exception of American Beauty. But this film is set in the 1970s. Our primary character, at least at first, is Sophia Lillis, who people know played Beverly in the It films and then recently in the Netflix drama that fuck you, got canceled. I am not okay with this. Amazing. Not okay with this. Not okay with this. (laughs) So she plays Beth and she's growing up in a Southern, very Southern family with her dad, Stephen Root, her mom's Margot Martindale. God, I wish Margot Martindale was my Southern mom. Those are her grandparents. You're right. Her grandparents. I I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, her, Her mom is Judy Greer. Her dad is Steve Zahn. They're South Carolina in the 70s. They are Southern. They drink their iced tea sweet, if you know what I'm saying. They fry their fried chicken. With a bit of a voiceover, establishes that one of her favorite relatives, one of the few people that she really felt like she had a connection with, was her Uncle Frank, played by Paul Bettany. He's the one who got out, who got away from the town. He went to New York, where he's become a successful teacher and writer. He's very well respected. And she's like, I wish I could get out, but I can't. And he's the one who kind of convinces her when she's younger. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. So flash to a little bit later, and she did, in fact, manage to get out. She is going to college uh, in New York, and Uncle Frank's, why don't we go out and do something? What this all comes down to is her going uninvited to a party that Frank was throwing that they overheard about and discovering, (gasps) Uncle Frank is gay. This explains so much. How does one deal with that in the 70s? And I grew up in the 70s, and my uncle came out to us in a very uncomfortable, reluctant, super terrified way. And I had no idea. I was younger than she was at the time. She's like 14, I think, when when it gets revealed to her. And I probably was like 10. And I remember just going, so what exactly does that mean? Because I thought you were dating that woman. It's like, that was all for show for your grandmother. Sorry. Sorry. So I kind of felt, yeah, I kind of felt like I could connect to this because I, me and my sister both went, yeah, I don't, that's great. I, I don't understand it yet. We're too young to understand it because nobody talked about that sort of thing, not in the stuff that kids saw in the seventies. But it was a process of understanding and finding that their way of life and the, in terms of the people they hung out with and the whole new world in New York City that we were inter- introduced to of art and color and music was delightful. So I actually really connected with this film that ends up with the, oh shit, a family member has died. Frank is coming back home, unfortunately followed by, without his permission, by his live-in lover, played by, actually, Alan Ball's real-life long-term partner, Peter McDissey. Wow. I didn't know they were partners. How lovely. He was in Six Feet Under, and then he played in Towelhead, which was written and directed by Ball, and he, along with him, produced the show Banshee, which is weird, because that's like the least Alan Ball show I could imagine, but there you go. (laughs) Anyway, that leads to, oh shit, is this going to happen? Can he keep a secret? Is the family going to find out? And what happens if they do? Tension. You know, this is a dramatic film in terms of how that would make you feel, either being someone who cares about him watching this happen or being someone who's terrified of this happening. But there's also people that will surprise you. And that's where I think most of the points where I just started openly bawling came from in this movie. <laughs> you bawled at ball. This movie is generational in a lot of ways because it feels like oh, maybe we've gotten past that. No, we really haven't in a lot of ways. And you say this movie is in the South. God 
damn, is it deep south. I was almost convinced for a second, was that filmed in my backyard? It just seemed like it. I think this is around the block from my house. Yeah, it felt (laughs) like it. You know, I haven't come out myself recently. I'm having some tension. Some with my family, and there are others that are more openly vocal and supportive. I know, uh, also another generational gap, because we are in a somewhat more accepting time right now. This is the age where young gay kids have coming out parties, don't they? In in some parts of the country. But I could still relate with Paul Bettany's character on that note, and also just feeling like the odd one out of the family, even before I realized I was trans, just being like, how the fuck did I get here? I don't... What I found, like, really striking about the whole family dynamic was that Nikki felt to have to be two different personas. Back home, he's a southern boy. In New York, he was his true self. I mean, I felt that. That rings really true. Jennifer, your cat is gay. How how does <laughs> how do they feel? We don't like to put labels in this house, oh, so okay. she is free to love whoever she wants to love. <laughs> Are there other cats? She's still young, so we try to keep the barrier between her and the the other neighborhood cats. We just want her to, you know, sort herself out first, get some education, and then settle down. Like, whatever she wants. This movie hits me in the same way that Frank and Jordan just mentioned about making the allusions to our own life and elements of it. This one hits me in multiple dimensions of that. Of growing up in a Southern Baptist family, for one, hyper religious Southern <laughs> Baptist family. I'm the daughter of a Southern Baptist minister. Growing up as a female in a family that I'm very, very different from the dynamic. I mean, my mom was a you need to wait tables when you're 17 and you need to get married and have kids at 18 and that needs to be your life. So that was me as well. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm going to get three degrees and go away to college and not touch anybody with anything until later. Except for arrows from a huge distance. <laughs> that didn't come until like a decade later. I, I hit the school books before I hit the targets. Um, and then on top of that, coming out and dating women. So it's like there's three facets of the cultures represented in this that got me. And all of them hit me as incredibly subtle, present dynamic and elegant like this was such an elegantly told story there are so many stories like this that are being told right now that you feel they just drop an element into a story in order to make a movie this just felt like an organic storytelling experience and it hit me in all the right places and i was so proud of the way that they told this story Mm. in particular uh two moments in regards to the main character beth The first moment being the discovery of her first sexual moment. She has a moment where she's considering whether she wants to engage sexually with somebody she finds attractive. And she not only feels comfortable enough to speak up about the fact that she's never had sexual relations before, but momentarily she's respected for that decision and her partner doesn't force her to be weird about it. He respects what she's going through and it's like, all right, cool. We're going to slow up. We're going to... And there's more going on to the story, obviously, than that. But seeing that represented that way on film never happens these days, ever. So I saw that and was like, yay, look, tell them how to do it right. Great. And then the second one was there's a point in the story where a character makes an unwanted advance upon her, but issues that through her uncle. And instead of allowing that to happen and allowing the man to dictate the course of the conversation, which would be the very Southern way to go about it, you know, you don't ask the girl out. You show up on her front porch and ask her parents and then maybe that happens or whatever. She just steps right up and says, um, no, A, I would never go out with you because you're disrespectful. And B, look right here. This is who you should be talking to. Not them. This. 
And I was like, yes, give us strong, sassy female characters that know what they want and know how to get it. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, done. But she was just going, you're a fucking mouth breather, dude. He's like, doesn't even get it because her way of calling him dumb is too smart. The look on his fucking face was just priceless. She's a pretty intellectual character throughout the whole of the piece. She's a thinker. She processes things. She doesn't have a huge emotional range in the way that she goes through things. So you don't really know going into that scene how she's going to approach it. So then to see her take a very strong stance for herself was really cool to see. Kind of unexpected in a film, especially from this time period, but super for it. Well, I like the time period, the two worlds. It really do signify tradition and progress and the shift that was slowly 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 starting to happen and i love that i love that it's caught between those two specific eras she's both the audience avatar which usually are kind of flat because the idea is you could just step into her shoes but she's so much more than that they've definitely given her so much more depth which is important as well because at one point the movie has to step away from her in the third act and let the focus really happen more on uncle frank because it is about resolving his emotional arc and his story and revealing (laughs) why he's as uncomfortable as he is with his family knowing other than you know, the obvious reasons it's the 1970s and you live in South Carolina. Boo. But it really works. Yeah. And I want to follow up on what Jennifer said about Beth's character, because even from the offset, we get just this little mention where she sees two of her relatives at this birthday party. They're talking about the Godfather book. And she's like, why are you talking to us about this? You shouldn't be reading this. You're young. And she just corrects and was like, that's a nice little subtle thing that helps set her apart from her family. It's like where she's already starting to feel like a little bit of the intellectual influence of Frank. This movie is fantastic, mainly for the acting. But I think the screenplay is also pretty on point here. It's not as overly somber as American Beauty was. There is some levity here and it does have its lighter moments. But I think every emotional beat is just so beautiful and it's so well earned and it's so, so right. It's just, it's just so right. It's easy. Yes, exactly. It's perfect cast. Yeah, especially mm. over Talhead, which was Alan Ball's film directorial debut. I got what that movie was trying to go for, but I just feel like it completely missed a mark. Whereas I thought here it absolutely hit all its marks perfectly. It definitely hit all the emotional beats it needed to. I just really love that dynamic between Paul Bettany and Peter McDessie. I would want them to be my gay uncles. Yeah, their chemistry is so good. And not to mention, yeah, this movie is stacked with a hell of a cast. Oh my god, like every other character actor, that's your favorite character actor. Margot Martindale, Stephen Root, which, again, it says something about a movie where I'm thinking, man, I love Stephen Root, (laughs) but fuck Stephen Root, man. This this reminded me, like, what he can do. I always just, like, think of him as, oh, it's Bill from King of the Hill. And that's like, I was like, I always forget, like, he has so much more in him that that he's been allowed to show. He and Margaret Martindale are two actors that I'm like, if they're casting for a su- older Southern role, you better get one of them in that part because they're both exceptional and probably the best people there are for those types yeah. of roles. Oh, yeah. And Root, for once, playing a guy who's not comically a bad guy, but is just straight up kind of a bigot and a jerk, is doing a great job and yeah. making you even in the moment when we see him initially confronting his son about his homosexuality 
you almost feel bad for him because it's clear he just doesn't understand that he really genuinely thinks because of his lifestyle, he's going to go to hell because of it. And that devastates him because he loves his son and doesn't want his son to go to hell. It's such a powerful moment. It is. And it works because of those multiple levels. And I think there's so many strong performances here, but let's go into final thoughts. Frank, get us started because you're Frank, uh, the titular Frank. And I'm also Frank. Surprisingly, the only time I cried in this film was that moment at the funeral between Steve Zahn and Paul Bettany. That got me hard. <laughs> it re- right? See, and I'm an only child, so I can't relate to this whatsoever. But I, that scene was between like these two men who grew up together and yet had completely different lives, even under the same household, and yeah. two completely different existences. And at this pivotal moment, they're coming together, and the younger is, is embracing the older in, in the best way he knows how. And he's at the probably the most vulnerable he's ever been. I think it's probably one of the most human and beautiful moments in this film. And this film is full of those. This is such an exquisite film. It's loaded with, with the emotional beats, but it's also got some lighthearted touches. It moves at such a delicate pace, and it doesn't really drag. That's nothing I can really trim from this. It's only an hour and a half. This proves you can do the, what good writing and solid direction and you know a clear vision can do, and great acting, like we said before. I think Paul Bettany might make my long list this year. Yeah. He's so good. I, I can't re- recommend this enough. I really do think, though, the only quibble I have with it is the family's reaction at the very end feels a little bit too rushed and I understand because it's it's the wrapping up phase of the film but uh, their reactions seem a little too rushed like okay you're either cool with it or not cool with it and okay that one's cool with it she's not cool with it and that could have a little more time to breathe overall I, I really love this I think this was a gem I gotta give this 9 out of 10 uh, iguanas named Barbara Stanwyck because <laughs> I love that yeah I laughed I was like I know that guy. Uh, Jennifer? I'm actually really, really, really immensely pleased that I got to review this one because I've been on a streak of movies I thought I would really enjoy that have let me down immensely and projects that were incredibly long that I wanted a lot less of. And this left me wanting more for the same reason that Frank mentioned. The third act could have been 30 minutes longer for me and really focused on those human interactions and the flaws that we have inherently as humans because of the way that we are raised in our situations. I really wanted them to settle on that a little bit more because it was such a huge focal point, especially because of the way that Frank had internalized his family's responses to his life and the way that he is as a person. That is such a huge conversation that any person who fits outside of an established social norm of wherever it is that they grew up wrestles with constantly for the entirety of their life. It could be every person around you accepts exactly who you are as a person, but you still have that one lingering doubt in yourself of how people are going to receive you. And that's, it's just such a pivotal conversation to have about how to forgive yourself and how to just be okay with you and to move on through that. And it's, it's not told enough in an organic enough way. And I'm here for it. And I cried a lot. This movie hit me on so many levels. The funeral scene was painful for me to watch because I went through an exact situation like that, that went the exact same way with the exact negative results. And God, did they nailed that. It gave me goosebumps. I wanted to turn it off and walk away well done just you showed me the newspaper article from the funeral where it was like mysterious arching accident leaves 30 dead you told me i was like where are you going with this i'm gonna go with it but okay no like i had a family member who passed away there was abuse in the family it was awful the whole family like 
refuse to acknowledge it. So this this moment captured on film is really rare, and I appreciate it for what it is and its awkwardness. I've always been a fan of Paul Bettany. I will watch any movie he's in. I've watched Wimbledon more times than I care to admit. Oh, so you're the one. I'm the one. I am the one. I'm so happy that he plays a beautifully balanced gay man. I'm not any less attracted to him for it. He can do anything. Paul Bettany for president, please. Love him. Need him in my life in every movie. I love his range. He's just so elegant of an actor and just so understated but present and evocative. I'm here for it. Loved it. I think that was all of my notes. So I'm going to give this a 9.8 out of 10 ethnic dance scenes as a segue out of an awkward conversation. <laughs> you know, Paul Bettany is so great in so many ways. He's, he's a pretty man. You might even call him a vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jordan. So much what I could say would echo what Frank and Jennifer just brought up because... You know, I'm still in the process of slightly being accepted with my identity within my family. I got vocal supporters and I got fear of like, okay, fine. But then, you know, there's that one relative I got where they just aren't cool with it. I felt a lot of that same emotion come through here. Also, yeah, I've grown up in the ass end of Arkansas pretty much my whole life. And I felt this same sort of situation even with friends of mine the third act definitely could have gone on longer i would have liked but there was like one reaction with a family member i won't say who frank saying i know this is the best i'm gonna get out of you so i'll take it i've seen that happen way too many times and that that's a moment that made me cry but it was more like a happy cry i will say i did tear up at that funeral scene also just this emotional part in the motel near the end and yeah, just amazing performances. Paul Bettany should definitely get nominations. Sophia Lillis. I just absolutely fucking love this movie. It is suitable for Thanksgiving. And hey, even one of the better road movies I've seen in a while. I'm going to give it nine and a half joints. Because fuck it, it's the 1970s. We smoking pot. You know, as the only person on this review that is boring old, what is it, cishet? Like, it's not because I didn't want to be. It would have been so much more interesting. <laughs> You're our token. You, you can't force yeah. these things, right? No. Yeah, You're I our tried. token straight. We love you. I really tried. We accept your, your lifestyle, whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, we're not first. judging you. <laughs> I was like this. Yep, that's a dick. <laughs> that's what that is, you. yeah. <laughs> not that I wouldn't make out with Chris Hemsworth, but that'd be as far as I'd probably be. I have the same now. reaction if that makes you feel any better, but I'm like that with Lady Parts too. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But this movie is definitely trying to talk to both people who are gay who've ever dealt with coming out and trying to deal with people who are in the family who are sympathetic to it watching this play out and how to be a good supporter of them. If you're ever in the situation where you're on the sidelines of that, maybe how to behave appropriately. And this is kind of a good pointer for that. Anyone who has a strong emotional tie to someone who's come out as being gay and watched what they have to go through. This is really a huge emotional poke in the chest. This made me cry on a number of occasions, but you're right, Frank, the Steve Zahn thing was the one where I was like, oh my <gasps> <gosh>. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> Great performances all around, really well directed. At worst, I think that there's points that there's a voiceover narration that there doesn't need to be, that there could have been a better, more elegant way of doing it, considering that voiceover narration is not the standard through the movie. It just pops up when they're like, it's faster to do it this way. 
And that's always, to me, a little cheap. But I still really love this. Definitely most Oscar-worthy films I've seen this year. I'm going to give it nine and a half out of ten lovely Jewish beards. Now, a follow-up <laughs> to Jennifer. How many gay orgies has your cat been in? Today? Okay, yeah, sure. Today. <laughs> it's Monday, so it was an off day, so just the one. Ah. But only tangentially, because Rob's playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now, and there ah. was kind of a Viking <laughs> wedding, and Ivor gets hit on by everybody, so it's a thing. Ah, that's yeah. fair. But my cats are zooming with your cat right now. I'm I shudder oh. to find out how that's going. Wow. So what's that website? It's okay. She's fixed. It's fine. Yeah. No, they're like, no, no, we're just mm-hmm. talking about you know cat business. I'm like, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs>